T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to The Morning Briefing. I'm your host, Eric Dame. Jake Hughes is your producer and ConnectingVets.com. Well, that's your website. Entercom's ConnectingVets.com is connecting vets every day through a variety of means. It's a multi-platform thing that we're doing here. We've got the website. We've got the audio. We've got the video. We've got everything that you need to live your best veteran life. Don't believe me? Well, go see for yourself. Visit ConnectingVets.com or follow us on social media where we are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Of course, one of the big things we do on Connecting Vets is talk about the ways that veterans and organizations and non-veterans and really a whole gaggle of people are trying to help veterans succeed after they leave the military, some of them even while they're still in. And we are about to talk to a man who's doing just that. He is the interim CEO of Patriot Bootcamp, Mr. Josh Carter. Josh, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Eric. It's nice to actually be here instead of, you know, be on the phone or It is Skype so much better. And you'll see it's it. so much easier. You yeah. don't have to wonder, like, is he going to say something or is he not going <laughs> to say something? There's going to be... Yeah. Anytime you do an interview live in person, there are fewer uncomfortable silences. Absolutely. Particularly when we're talking about something as... Uh, Happy as this is what is. Patriot Bootcamp is doing. This isn't Happy a it is. this isn't a gotcha interview. I'm not going to be like Patriot Bootcamp has been stealing millions of dollars from the United States. No, this isn't that. What Patriot no. Bootcamp doing? What Patriots Bootcamp is doing is helping a, a large amount of veterans and is still evolving. We've talked to you before, but it's been a while. So let's reintroduce you sure. to our audience. So. Who the heck is Josh Carter? I'm a nobody. I really am, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm a Navy vet. I, I went in the Navy in the you know mid-90s, um, did my my time over in the Persian Gulf, did a couple tours. Uh, got out in, um, I don't know, 97, 98. It's all a blur, really. I joined in 98, so oh, we nice. may, have, yeah. may have overlapped for like a couple of months. Yeah, uh, it, it has been so long. But uh, I enjoyed my time, got out, and... Uh, Sort of floated around within the workforce. I didn't really know what I was going to do when I got out, um, but ended up in technology of all all places, wow. and, uh, specifically telecommunications. And I sort of jokingly say, but uh, if there was an evolutionary chart of telecommunications, I've worked every step from climbing poles to being an early employee at uh, Twilio as a cloud communications provider. I've I've worked every step. Wow! Uh, so it's been a really interesting journey. What was your job in the Navy? Was it tech-related at all? No, I was a deck seaman. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's about I, as untechnical as about it About as untechnical <laughs> as... as and, and then I moved into uh, being a QM. So I, I okay. did a QM for very briefly, and then uh, right before I got out, I was a QM. So for those who aren't familiar with Navy life, a right. QM is a quartermaster, that's and right. they're people that are looking at charts and maps, and they're making sure that that ship doesn't run aground, which, yeah. uh, boy, they might have to call you back because we've had some issues with some of our I've ships heard, I've heard there's some, uh, some problems there, yeah, yeah some last, shallow water. Last summer in particular was a bad year for the Navy with ships crashing into each other and those channels and everything going on, but that's interesting to me, and, and it's something that we hear 
fairly regularly that people who did one job in the military get out and do something completely different. Was that your plan? Because there is, I suppose, a career, career trajectory for quartermasters. You can go into the merchant marines. You can do other things that would be yep. uh, easily transferable. But what was your plan when you got out? You know what's funny? As I wanted to go to art school. So I, I did. I, I wanted to be an animator. And in the Navy, they didn't have animators, right? No. And nobody's drawing stupid cartoons. Draftsman was the closest Dra- thing. Exactly. And they're, they're not doing cartoons. Yeah. And I was told that if I wanted to be an illustrated draftsman, I had to strike into it. There was no A school for it. There was no schooling for illustrated draftsmen. And there's only like 360 in the entire Navy. So someone has to die or retire for you to get into that <laughs> or, or even worse, be promoted within that rank. So. Yeah. Um, my recruiter, instead of putting me into something easy so I could work on that, decided to put me as an undesignated seaman. (laughs) And I didn't know anything, so it was sort of like, okay, this makes sense. Let's just do it. Um, You know, hindsight being 20-20, I I obviously would have done it much differently. But, uh, you know, I I don't regret my time. We we went everywhere. In in the three years that I was in, I visited 30 countries. Mm. So I was never in the home port, which is nice. And I got to see things that I'll, you know, most people never ever get to see. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I think the for me the journey was definitely much different than I thought it was going to be. And then when I went into art school, um, I discovered that that wasn't what I wanted to do ultimately. So I only did it for about a year and a half uh, in San Francisco, California, and then I I dropped out of school. When you think back on that time, leaving the Navy and deciding, hey, I'm going to go into art school and then leaving art school. I mean, you had a couple transitions in yeah. a row there within you know, a year and a half, as you just said, essentially. What would you recommend to someone who's getting out and has a plan, particularly that person who's working in a job? I don't know. Let's say they are a bosun's mate, someone who works like you did uh, yeah. in the deck department, and they think, hey, I want to go to school to be a computer programmer or to be a pilot or to be whatever. What recommendation would you give them for preparing to make that move? Take advantage of everything th- while you're in the military. There are so many. I, I, didn't t- I didn't do enough to take advantage of these programs. There are a lot of really good programs out there for active duty military, to go to school, to uh, even online programs, uh, trade school programs. There's a really amazing, I'm from Portland, Oregon. We have a really amazing um, uh, company called Treehouse. And they do all online programming, uh, program for people that want to be a developer or get into something that's technology related. There are a lot of avenues for people to go through to get into you know, organizations like that to get into yeah. a career field like that. How can a new veteran, a veteran who was just born, let's say, how can they figure out what is the best way for them? Or as we've seen, we just saw a story of a school that was essentially ripping off the federal government mm-hmm. uh, for millions of dollars, not offering all the classes that they yeah. said that they were. We've seen that happen time and time again. How do they figure out the right route to go for them, and how do they they be aware of all those pitfalls? That is so tough because, as you said, there are a lot of schools out there that aren't very um, copacetic, right? They don't they're not they're not looking out for their best interest, not your best interest, and they're really hard to to weed out. But do your homework, find the ones that um, maybe you've known somebody in within your network that have gone through that program, but um, but there are a number of really good. Uh, programs throughout the country um, that can provide you with the right resources. Um, the SBA is really good. The VA is really good. Sometimes their sites are very antiquated and hard to navigate. 
But for the most part, they they want to be helpful. They really want to help you. And anybody that's within your command, that that they'll have a transition person that can help you as well. But do your homework yourself. I mean, the, you know, the internet's there for a reason, right? Use it. So um, I think overall, you just have to figure out um, what it is that you want to do and what's within your plan, and then sort of um, just chart that the best you can with with the resources you have. When it comes to those schools, and I think one of the issues is I've talked to people who are, who are working in the tech industry is that a lot of tech schools that are separate from the university system in particular are operating as for-profit institutions. Sure. Now, that's yeah. got some negative connotations to it, but some of the best tech schools out there are for-profit companies. I mean, it's it's the only way for them to survive because yeah. they're not within the university system. Um, is there a way for people to uh, get a list that you're aware of or anything like that to look at, you know, who has a list of the good schools out there for people to go through to get into the industry? I don't know that there's a list per se. It's funny. I had this uh, conversation with Ryan Carson, who's the CEO over at Treehouse, about this very subject. And, And what it is is you have to be careful, especially with, say, code schools, right? There's a number of code schools out there, Flatiron, Epicodus. There's a lot of really amazing code schools. Galvanize is another one that's nationally recognized. Um, the problem is that you're paying a substantial amount of money for that program. So as a, res- right. as a result, there's a lot of, I, I don't want to say pressure, but with a, with a lack of a better phrase, there's a lot of pressure to make sure that you... Having paid, say, six to ten thousand dollars for that school, they want to make sure that you get through that school. Whereas, if you go to a university or a smaller school, or even um, you know, I keep dropping Treehouse, but even Treehouse, they have a two hundred dollar a month program to get you certified and ready to be a programmer. Um, they don't have those kind of pressures. Like you are going, the graduation rate for those schools, while high. Um, mean that those people went through that program and probably got a lot of really good uh, skills out of that school. Whereas a code school um, may not have the same result. You may not really be ready for a programming job or be a programmer because they want to make sure that you get your $10,000 worth. So as a result, they may just kind of get you through to to satisfy the amount that you've paid. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, so I, I think it's that's part of the, the challenge with these schools. And the other challenge around it is the GI Bill, right? Yeah. I have a talk tomorrow I'm doing at the Capitol building to figure out how to modernize the GI Bill. And one of the things that we've talked about is that you can't use the GI Bill for uh, uncredited schools, like a code school. Yeah. You can't, um, unless they're accredited. You can't uh, you can't use the GI Bill. So as a result, you're paying out of pocket for a lot of these schools, and that's that's another big challenge. It is particularly in an ever evolving technological world, and with a limited number of schools who have a big focus on information technology. I mean, not a lot of people get to into MIT every right. year. It'd be great if they could all go to MIT, but there are these code schools out there that, in particular, are very 
hyper-focused and work mm-hmm. in a specific segment of the coding world, uh, really, that a lot of veterans, I think, would be interested in getting into, whether they worked in IT or not, in the military. And we're speaking with someone who didn't. Josh Carter was a deck seaman in the United States Navy. It means he was heaving around lines and shots of chain and anchors and... Chasing sc- rust. Scraping paint and chasing <laughs> rust, baby. Haze gray and underway. That's right. 30 countries in three years that he visited while he was there, got out, and now is the interim CEO of Patriot Boot Camp. So, Josh, tell us a little bit about Patriot Boot Camp, sure. what it is and where the idea for it came from. Yes, yeah, so Patriot Boot Camp is a nonprofit. We focus on uh, military veterans and spouses who want to grow and scale their tech startup. And the way this started was um, Taylor McLemore, who's our founder, back in 2012, discovered there really wasn't any program out there uh, like a, an accelerated program like a Y Combinator or Techstars or 500 Startups for veterans specifically. And he felt like that was a huge gap that existed. So he worked with David Cohen and uh, and a couple of folks at Techstars to say, hey, why aren't you doing this? And Techstars came back and said, well, then go do it. We'll support you. We'll help happily help you out. But uh, go do it and you have our full support. So originally... The first one was actually here in D.C. in 2012, and then it was just supposed to be a one-off. They were just supposed to do one one program, and, and that, that was it. it. And uh, and it caught fire, and as a result, we've been doing it for you know uh, six years now. We've had 12 programs in nine cities. We've had 750 companies come through the program. Wow. Uh, they've raised a collective $80 million in coll- uh, venture funding. Um, they've created 1,300 jobs, and as a result, we've had six exits. We've had six companies get acquired. So we're moving the needle. I think the biggest challenge that we have right now as an organization is that we have every stage of startup coming to one event, right? We have everybody coming to wherever we bring it. We have our next one in in September in Denver, Colorado. So we'll have idea stage. We'll have people that have actually formed their entity, and maybe they have a small MVP. Right. And then we'll also have people that... Uh, maybe they're ready for an accelerator. They have a small amount of revenue. They have some customers, but they need something to help kind of accelerate their business. And so the challenge that I'm faced with now as the CEO is trying to figure out how to decouple that so that we can be much more thoughtful about our programming. And so we have this amazing program that we're doing this week here in D.C. called Vet Hacks, and that helps with the idea stage. It's a 48-hour build event. It helps veterans figure out, veterans and military spouses Figure out if their idea has some sort of merit. Can it? Does it? Can it float? And so uh, we give that that venue for that weekend event, and then of course we'll keep the three day program, our core three day program, and then we're working on a growth stage program for those that are ready for accelerators. Because we were, we've always known that we've wanted to um, put money, invest in these companies. Uh, but we just haven't figured out how to unlock that. And, we, and I think next year we're going to figure that out. It's an interesting thing that I think uh, goes over some of our heads or goes beyond our notice, I suppose, that even nonprofits who are working to help veterans develop businesses, just like Patriot Bootcamp, they need to develop and evolve themselves. Mm-hmm. What have been some of the uh, the things that you've noticed about that issue specifically and about any difficulties that you've had while you know you need to focus on these these startups that you're trying to help while also not losing focus on the company that you're working for, the nonprofit Patriot Bootcamp? It's a huge challenge. We're, we're a team of one, right? I'm the only full-time employee. We have another person that does programming for us. Um, her name's Sherry Greenberg. She's amazing. 
She helps us a lot with uh, program and stuff that happens around when we actually run these programs. But uh, And then when we show up at whatever city we show up to, we become a team of 12, uh, mostly volunteers that show up to help. But that's a huge challenge. We, we, we're, I think, but the, the exciting part of that is that it's a blank slate in my mind. We can do whatever we need to do to iterate and find a way to make it work. And so that's, that's what's exciting to me. And that's what, uh, makes me excited to get up and go to work every day. Um, I, I, it's just like a startup. I I look at Patriot Bootcamp as a startup. We are experimenting all the time with different things that work, different things that don't work. And, uh, and just, we move quickly to figure out how to be better stewards of our community. I think the biggest challenge for us, um, just continues to be, how do we expand the community? Um, and, and maintain our focus around tech. There's just not a lot of military spouses and, and veterans creating tech companies. Yeah. And I think that's our biggest challenge is to try to find a top of funnel way to build these founders in a way that they have the best shot of success. And that's why we created the hackathon because it's sort of like a farm. You and I are both baseball fans, obviously. And, uh, and so we, uh, we, we wanted to create sort of a farm system, right? Something like this minor league to help these, these entrepreneurs find their way through the journey. And the hackathon does that. The three-day continues that journey, and then the growth program helps them even further. One of the interesting things, and I get questions like this a lot because I went to school at a you know a, a school in the Northeast. One of those, oh, they must be anti-military. It's one of those liberal <laughs> colleges in the Northeast. And that's right, I grew uh, up in the Bay Area. So yeah, so it. you know all about that. And that's actually my question, and that is the tech industry. I remember just watching uh, a week ago, or a little bit more than a week ago, I guess, or less than a week ago. I don't know, however long it's been. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an episode of Silicon Valley where the yeah. fact that someone was a Christian became like, oh, no, that's not acceptable. Where, you know, the, <laughs> the tech industry has this kind of, uh, whether it's deserved or not, I don't know because I don't work in it. Yeah. This reputation of being somewhat cloistered, somewhat restricted, where uh, it's all about groupthink. And that's a groupthink that veterans might not fall into. And they might be personas non grata sure. within the veteran community or within the tech community, I should say. Looking at the advisors that you have for Patriot Bootcamp, where you've got people from like RJ Jones from Zillow, you've got people from Google on there. How much of a concern is that in actuality? And do you think that there may be some veterans who kind of move away from getting into the tech world because they worry about what it would be like being out there? So as a person that's been in the tech industry for a long time, I can I can honestly say that that um, it there is a there is an element to that, yeah. but it's because we didn't go to Michigan or we didn't go to Stanford or we didn't go to Cal. I think that mindset is starting to shift a little bit as more people start to see that you don't have to be in the epicenter of the Silicon Valley or San Francisco in order to get ahead in the tech industry. I think more and more people are starting to see, and as money is shifting outside of Silicon Valley, um, people are seeing that they can still get a foot into the door into the tech world and not be in San Francisco or Silicon Valley. Um, and that the stigma that comes with being in the military isn't seen as a hindrance, but actually a benefit. Hmm. It's an advantage. Uh, we know how to do more with less, right? That's just sort of what we're built around to do. Right. We know how to be efficient. We know how to shift 
when things become difficult. We don't panic under pressure. Um, it's funny to me. I, I would be at um, I'd be in a meeting at when I I won't name the company, but it would be hilarious to watch these folks freak out about something very small. And uh, knowing what I had gone through when I was in the military or what others had gone through in the military. Um, so I, I think it, it's being the more we, we start to have these conversations about right. what veterans bring to the table in the tech industry, I think that wall will start to come down more and more. It's already starting, like I said, but I think it'll happen more and more. And what I love about things like Patriot Bootcamp is that it can be a conduit. It can be uh, that first step that gets you through the door and matches you with people that are doing prolific things in the tech industry so that you don't have to worry about what kind of network you have when you get out of the military. We can help be a provider for that network. Hmm. And it's something where, again, I think there is probably some misinformation on all sides yeah. where some veterans are like, everybody in the tech industry is going to hate me because I was in the military. Some people in the tech industry are probably thinking everybody who's in the military is just some stone cold killer out there just slaying bodies. Whereas yeah. the majority of us are, you know, a journalist, photographer like me, a deck, deck seaman like yourself. Uh, there, there's certainly... Um, a bridge that needs to come together between the two yeah. that I think could really lead to uh, some improvements within veterans growing in that industry. And we're speaking with a man who's trying to do just that. He is the CEO of Patriot Bootcamp, Josh Carter, Navy veteran. And he's talking to us about that organization and, of course, his journey from the Navy to where he is now and the, the journey of Patriot Boot Camp itself. So yeah. when you look at the the near future of Patriot Boot Camp, not asking you to say, you know, 20 years from now when you sure. guys are running the world, but, <laughs> it, you know, in the, ne in, the, in the months, in the next year or so, yeah. what do you see as the, the near future of Patriot Boot Camp? Well, I see us really starting to be much more thoughtful about our programming. As I mentioned, we have everybody coming to one event. We need to decouple that a bit. So mm -hmm. I, I see us being really charging forward with the ability to not only have iterations of the hackathon and finding ways that we could be more helpful at those early stages, but I think we're also finding ways to unlock funding potential for early stage veterans, uh, founders, and military spouse founders. Right now, um, what ends up happening is there's a large group of founders that get lumped into sort of this underserved community, mm. and, and we're starting to see more and more venture funds and investors look towards those underserved and underrepresented communities. And I don't know if it's a, a good thing or a bad thing that veterans are kind of lumped into that. Right. Um, I, I certainly know military spouses are as well. Um, but we're, we're really working hard to um, find more resources because we know that the statistics around veteran founded companies is that um, they are, twice as likely to be in business five years from now than their non-veteran counterparts. That's huge. Yeah. And I think people, as we start to have these conversations around the value that veteran founders bring, more and more investment companies, more and more VCs will keep coming into the, the conversation about what it means to invest in these companies and, and the value they bring. And... When we talk about Patriot Boot Camp, and we're finishing up here, we've got just a few minutes left. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, who is the perfect applicant for Patriot Boot Camp? Who should attend one of the upcoming Patriot Boot Camp events? Yeah, that's great. Great question. I think if you have formed an entity, first and foremost, uh, you've got paperwork, you've filed with the state, uh, you have some sort of sense of what the business is going to be, 
then that that's who we want at those events. We've taken idea stage folks in the past, and uh, we we want to move those folks over to the hackathon. But I think uh, you know we'll take ideas. I think if you're working on a tech, biotech, crypto tech, um, whatever it is, we want to. If it's if it there's a tech component, we want you at Patriot Bootcamp. We bring in mentors, people like Harper Reed, who mm. used to be the CTO for the Obama administration in 2012. Uh, Arlen Hamilton, who runs Backstage Capital, she raised a fund while she was homeless, uh, and she's a, a black queer uh, uh, woman of color. Just amazing people that have amazing stories to come in and mentor and grow these uh, these companies. So, if you uh, if you want more information, it's PatriotBootCamp.org. And just looking at some of the statistics out there, there have been 12 programs hosted in nine cities since 2012 over those six years. 700 military veteran and spouse entrepreneur alumni across the U.S., 50% service disabled, 35% ethnically diverse, 15% women, five successful alumni company exits via acquisition. I think you said six earlier. Six, we, have, we had so another one, yeah. We've had another one go since yeah. then from Patriot Boot Camp. So uh, this is something that, you know, this is not just getting started. I mean, it may still be getting started, but there's already been quite a bit of success, including two alumni appearing on the Shark Tank reality show, including one receiving a $1.5 million offer from Mark Cuban. So uh, this is something that's really doing some great work out there. And Josh, we want to thank you. Yeah. And as you said, you know, a team of one, but there are other people involved in Absolutely. Patriot Bootcamp. I can't take all the credit. We have we have a great group of people, great group of uh, mentors, alumni, um, just everybody that comes and is part of this uh, community has just been amazing. All right. Well, Josh Carter, CEO of Patriot Bootcamp, thank you so much for joining us on the morning briefing. Thanks, Eric. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.